0: again everyone and welcome to East Redland Anglican for this first Sunday of our Lenten season or the 6th of March 2022. Today while the gospel reading is from Luke we're going to focus on the Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy 26 verses 1 to 11. You might want to read that later on as you get a chance or you can pause the podcast and read that before the sermon. Today we're considering. <laughs> Our identity and what that means for who we are as a community, what that means as we journey throughout Lent and as we move into, particularly for the parish, into our next strategic plan phase. So as always, grab a cup of tea or a coffee, sit back and relax and enjoy the sermon. The Lord be with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, For where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during these days, and when they were over, he was finished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God... Command these stones to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? It would be easy today to actually preach on that gospel reading. Um, It's been preached on many, many times, and I've preached on it many times. And preaching on the thing, on the temptations, is not um, an ordinarily difficult thing to preach on in many respects. So what I want to focus on today is actually our reading from the Old Testament from Deuteronomy because I think it has bearing on where we're going as a parish and questions we need to ask ourselves as we move ourselves through the Lenten journey. Now, one of my favourite movies is The Bourne Identity. Now, some of you may know it, some of you may not but I think that's how we're going to travel along in this relationship together. There's going to be movies I've seen that you haven't, and there's going to be movies you've seen that I haven't. So we're just going to, I'm going to explain it, so don't panic. But it's a movie that's based on Robert Ludlam's book of the same name. Now, the main character, Jason Bourne, who's a CIA operative, has his wounded body discovered floating in the ocean by a fisherman who nurses him back to health. But he can remember nothing about his life and begins to try to rebuild his memory based on clues, such as the Swiss bank account, the number of which is implanted in a little laser device in his hip. Um, And after meeting a German girl, Marie, he starts to try and trace his identity and life from the clues that he finds in a safety safety deposit box, which he finds because of the Swiss bank account number from the laser thingy that he's found in his hip. And in frustration in a cafe, he says to her, Who has a safety deposit box full of money and six passports and a gun? Who has a bank account number in their hip? I come in here and the first thing I'm doing is I'm catching the sight lines and looking for an exit. I can tell you the license plate number of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside And at this altitude, I can run flat out for half a mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? How can I know that and not know who I am? Now, it's a very energetic scene. It's a very intense scene. But the interesting thing about this um, isn't all of the peripheral information that Jason Bourne um, finds and the conclusions that he's able to draw from it. Rather, what's interesting is the distress and the anxiety of not knowing who he is, not knowing about significant relationships, not knowing where he belongs, that is to say, not knowing his identity. Now, I use this as an example specifically because of this idea of identity. Who we are has as much importance as a question maybe even more so, as to what we are and where we come from. It's one of those things, you know, if, you're in a, if you meet someone, you'll often talk about um, what you are in the sense of what you do for a living, where you come from, but we very rarely talk about who we are. So it's an important question that we have to wrestle with. Now, yes, within this construct, we are the church, or more specifically, we are East Redland Anglican, But what does that actually mean? Does it mean that we're a group of people who get together once a week because of geographic similarities, that we come together in that structure to make each other feel good and then we go home? Well, yes and no is the answer to that. Yes, we are called as a community to do that. But if that's all we're called to do, then surely we don't have to do that here. We could go and do that at the pub. And in fact, plenty of people are going to do that today. If you drive down there later on past the Grand View, you will see plenty of people gathering together, making each other feel good about themselves and then going home. But we have to go much deeper than that if we're going to be this thing called the church. And we go deeper because we choose to meet here, and not necessarily with people that we would ordinarily choose to meet up with if we went off to the pub. And yet, here we are. Why? Because the reality, I think, is that it comes down to who we are, who God calls us to be, and where we get a sense of belonging, and we get that sense we get a sense of this from our readings, and in particular, we get that from Deuteronomy. So if we consider that reading from Deuteronomy, there are many layers, as there always is. But the heart of the passage is the confession uh, that this is to come from the the lips of the worshipping Israelite. This statement of faith is, for the most part, a declaration of the Lord's dealings with Israel. That's what's going on in that, that middle section from verses 5 to 9, where the, the worshipping person is told to go and present the first fruits to the priest. And then once you've done that, go and say these things. These are the statements of faith as part of that declaration. So within that, this person's recalling various things. So, memory has an important role to play in the acknowledgement of God's gifts. In part, the person making the offering recalls who they are by remembering who their ancestors were. We see that thing there, a wandering Aramean, and it refers to the patriarch Jacob, and you can read about that in Genesis uh, 25 to 50. They further recall the terrible persecution of the ancestors by the Egyptians. The person also remembers who God has been for them by recalling the great compassion the Lord showed to their ancestors. They remember how different things once were and how they are now. But they are never to forget the Lord who made that difference possible. So the moment celebrates the past So that that section, verses five to nine, that moment of remembering celebrates the past, but it also rejoices in the people's future under the benevolent rule of their God. Beyond that, however, the history that's recited here and re-impressed on the memory is the means by which the community of faith understands its own identity. And that's something that's really important, that retelling of the story over and over and over again, and you hear this as particularly as we're coming to Lent and we're heading towards Easter. Um, we'll also head towards for um, our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, towards Passover. And if you've ever sat through a Passover meal as an observer, that's what they're doing. They're telling the story over and over and over again. Never forget who you are as a people. That's the crux of what's going on when we do... The crux of what's going on here when we have the Eucharist, we're telling the story. This is who we are as a people. So the Christian faith as well is based on the collective memory of the people of Christ. Uh, And it goes without saying that the church's memory, whether it's its creeds, whether it's the, the Eucharistic prayers, whatever, celebrates God's saving deeds of the past, but also God's continuing promise to redeem now and in the future. The church's story is also the means by which Christian people identify themselves both individually and collectively. And yet we can become so disillusioned with, or we can say we become disillusioned, maybe we do in reality, but this is a conversation I hear a lot, Uh, that disillusionment with reciting things like the creed or the words of the communion service, to dismiss them as somehow irrelevant or inaccessible and outdated. Now there's lots of conversations that we have that we we need to sort of do something with our liturgy to make it more relevant so more people come through the door. Um, My experience is that what we actually do is infantilise take those words, we strip them down, and it becomes very infantile in some respects. But from my perspective, and this is just the world according to me, reciting and retelling our story is so foundational and crucial to the life and identity of the Christian community that it needs to be repeated over and over again, especially in an age that in some respects has so little guard for history of any kind. We only have to look at the last four years of the previous President of the United States to see that um, the the, the notion of alternative facts and the understandings of history. I mean, there's no regard for the narrative, the the genuine narrative that actually sits there. It's all sort of some sort of um, thing to be used for a political gain. That said, George Santayana may have been right when he wrote that those who cannot remember their past... doomed to repeat it. So the basic assumption in all of what I'm talking about today is that the memory of the community of faith not only allows each generation of God's people to relive God's great deeds of redemption of the past, but opens them up to God's continuing activity in their own lives. What's more, it's through our common memory that the integrity, the wholeness of the community is retained across the generations. And you might, um, as a couple of examples, firstly, you might look at coming into Holy Week. The liturgies for Holy Week are the same each year. And why is that? Because we're telling this story, we're reliving God's great deeds of redemption of the past. We make tweaks here and there, and the readings change a little bit here and there. But fundamentally... If you look at the structure of how Holy Week works, it is that retelling of this great story of God redeeming the people. So it's worth thinking about Holy Week as we come to it in a few weeks' time as one continuous service from Palm Sunday. Just imagine that, one service from Palm Sunday through to Easter Day. And there was a time when that's how it actually worked, from Maundy Thursday through till Easter Day. You will notice that at Maundy Thursday, Good Friday... Um, Holy Saturday, it does have one, but there's no blessing at the end of the services on Maundy Thursday and and, and Good Friday because the service hasn't finished yet. The story is still going. We're still reminding ourselves of who we are, what we stand for, and this great story of God's redemption of His people. But we can also see it in Deuteronomy 6, where it says, "'Recite the traditions of Israel to your children.'" and talk about them when you are at home, and when you are away, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Because the author of Deuteronomy knows that when a people forgets its past, that is, they forget who they are, it loses both its present and its future. Now, as a practical outworking of that, particularly within that Jewish construct, it's worth noting what Arnold Schoenberg uh, says Uh, in his interpretation of the Shema. Now, Arnold Schoenberg wrote an opera called A Survivor from Warsaw. So this is about a, a Jewish person surviving the Warsaw Ghetto. And the Shema is the prayer said morning and evening and at the moment of death by all Jews. Now he says... The Shema Yisrael, now that's just the first words of the Shema, Shema Yisrael, um, at the end of the opera, has a special meaning to me. I think the Shema Yisrael is the confession of the Jew. It is our thinking of the one eternal God who is invisible, who forbids imitation, who forbids to make a picture, and all these things. The miracle is to me... Now, he's referring here to people who have experienced the Warsaw Ghetto, people who have experienced the concentration camps of the Second World War. The miracle is to me, he says, that all these people who might have forgotten for years that they are Jews, suddenly facing death, remember who they are. This speaks profoundly of identity. It's about the telling and the retelling of the story of Israel. But it's not just any story, it is the story that provides Israel's communal identity. The story that begins with, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, that's how the Passover services go. This is the narrative that renders the identity of the one who was confessed and witnessed to in the Shema. It is to state Israel's identity in exact correspondence to God's identity. Now, that's heavy stuff, but that's Lent for you. And today is the first Sunday of Lent. And during Lent, it would be easy for me to stand here and to provide answers, or to attempt to provide answers to some of the harder aspects of this season and of our faith. But I don't think that would be helpful, and it wouldn't give anybody the opportunity to explore and to grow during Lent. That said, it's my intention to leave you each week with a series of questions, things to ponder and explore more deeply, to wrestle with and struggle with, which will be important in how we respond and move forward in the appreciative inquiry space and strategic planning. Now, I've said that, I wanna refer back to what I said at the beginning, because that's what we're doing in this appreciative inquiry space. It's a moment that celebrates the past. So the questions that you're getting in your emails, in the survey sheets, they are moments to celebrate the past, to look what's the best of us in our past, but to also rejoice in the possibility as if we engage with that narrative of what God has for us as a people in our future. So, keeping that in mind, and combining it with what we've discussed today, I ask, who are we as persons? Who are we as a community at East Redland Anglican? Who are we as the body of Christ? What is the story that brings all of this together? What's the story that states our identity in exact correspondence to God's identity? So my challenge then for you over Lent is to discover and rediscover, to tell and retell, and in doing so, find who we are in the sight of God. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That brings our podcast to an end for this week. If there's anything more you'd like to know about the parish, you can always check us out at our website, which is www.eastredlandanglican.com.au. You'll be able to find lots of links there to our Facebook page, to our Vimeo and YouTube channels, and to our Apple podcast channel. You'll be able to go through the website there and find out any other information you want to know about our service times or baptisms and confirmations and things like that. So check us out there, Um, have a look, and if there's anything you need, please don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call. Um, And we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.